know, we got to do something because it's cold and dark outside. <laughs> Can't go ride my bike tonight. It's too cold. It's too cold tonight. It's too cold. Um, okay, I, I want to put this up here um, because this came in uh, a couple days ago, and I've been wanting to to um, to, to answer this question and, and get your thoughts on it. Uh, the question is, what do you think about the new release of info regarding B6 being toxic? We talk a lot about the B vitamins. Um, first, can you tell us which one um, which one B6 is? Because I think there's eight. Is there eight? Twelve? No, there's actually 12. 12? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so what's your thoughts on this? Um, you know, I, I like uh, the yeah, breaking you know, news stuff. I don't know. I haven't seen the new release of that info, but we've, we've known for years that B12, or excuse me, B6, you can get too much of it or too little of it. It's, it's weird because, you know, I always tell people if they're having a neuropathy, uh, like a peripheral neuropathy from having diabetes or nerve injuries or um, carpal tunnel or any of those to, to think about taking some B6. And the thing about it, though, that we learned years ago is that if you take too much of it and you can, um, then you'll have the symptoms of low B6 with high B6. Like you, you could make your neuropathy worse uh, by taking too much of it. So certainly that information has been out there. Those are some other weird things I've seen about B6 being, you know, is it hard on your heart or does it cause cancer? No, I don't think it does. But um, I mean, like anything, you could take too much of anything. Um, but the fact is that, um, you know, if you, if you do, if you do take B6, you need to think about how much you're taking. Um, and the studies I've seen that have caused toxicity, in other words, make neuropathy worse, maybe even cause seizures. You have to take a really high dose of it, um, probably over a thousand milligrams a day. Um, I don't think they've seen anything bad happen under 500 milligrams a day. A lot of supplements come in a hundred milligrams, which I think is fine. You get some of it in your food, but you know, a lot of people that drink energy drinks all day, they could get too much of a B6. So that is out of the B vitamins. That's the one that you could potentially take too much of. Of course, if you take too much nice and B3, you'd have a lot of flushing. So you know, you're taking too much of it. But on B6, it could be kind of subtle. Uh, so if, you know, if you're taking a lot of extra B6, I certainly wouldn't take over 100 milligram extra. And you get B6 in your food as well, through meat, eggs, um, vegetables, uh, potatoes, that type of thing. Uh, but that is one, that's a good point. I'm glad somebody brought that up because you certainly could have too much B6. You could always check a level of B6. I don't have my levels in front of me, so I'm not sure uh, what the normals are on the Quest lab. But um, certainly don't take more than 100 milligram. You may even just need 50. Uh, some people just think you need two. But, uh, you know, let your symptoms be the guide. And if, you, if, you're, um, if you're deficient in it, you're going to feel better. People that get deficient in B6 can have dry skin. Um, they can have um, chelitis, which means your tongue gets irritated. Um, so that's a great point. You certainly could get 
too much B6. You'd have to have a lot of it over a period of time. Remember, it's a water-soluble vitamin, but uh, you certainly could. You know, you could take too much of it, and it could it could make the symptoms that you're taking uh, B6-4, namely neuropathy, um, it can make them worse if you took too much of it. So that's, that's a really good point, you know, that people need to think about. Um, you could overdo anything, but B6 out of all the B vitamins, it's one that you're going to start thinking, am I taking too much of this? Uh, that'd be, I think kind of rare. If you read the reports, some people think it's not as rare as, as that, but, um, so if you're not feeling good and you're taking vitamins, I always think, you know, what have I added lately or how long have I been taking this? That's kind of why I think you ought to at least give, you know, take vitamins six days a week. Yeah. And, uh, so you won't get, um, you know, kind of tolerant to them as well. But, uh, that's a great point. You know, if you're worried about it, you can even get, uh, levels checked. Yeah. That's something you say a lot, you know, like you and really the form of vitamin, vitamin B6. Can, I think it's pyridoxal L phosphate. There's different forms of B6. And that's the, I think it's pyridoxal L phosphates, the one that you want. And that's certainly one we have. Um, I'm going to put this up from Katie. There's a reference range. A, okay. With a, a, a range for adults over 18 uh, with Quest. Uh, thank you, Katie, for putting that in there. And um, if you guys have any more questions on YouTube, I'll, I'll, um, I'll yeah. put this up again if you guys uh, yeah. need it. That's a great, great point. Thank um, you. Thank you for that, Katie. Uh, great question. Um, let's see here. Let's go to the next one. This is, we got two questions here uh, for the postmenopausal female. Um, the first is, what would you like to see the DHEA level be for a postmenopausal female? And uh, the DH, DHEA is something that uh, we might not talk enough about. It's super important, isn't it? It is. Yeah, it stands for dihydroepiandosterone. Um and it's an important adrenal vitamin, meaning it's made in the adrenal glands. Um, it's really a precursor. It comes from cholesterol, like most every hormone. Um, DHEA is a little different because you can get it supplements over the counter as well. But, um, you know, with postmenopausal females, they're going to make less of their hormones, including DHEA. And DHEA is a precursor to both estrogen and testosterone you know, probably more so with testosterone. So in some women that um, are a little bit low in testosterone and don't want to supplement with testosterone, then I'll just give them a little DHEA. You know, you can get too much of this. I don't recommend orally more than about 15 milligrams of DHEA for a female. If you've had breast cancer, I wouldn't recommend any of it really. Um, there is a form of it called uh, keto DHEA. Um, it doesn't really work. It's a problem with that, with that one. But um, so I don't really put many people on keto DHEA. But DHEA is, is um, a really important precursor hormone. Um, certainly it could call, it's, it's like testosterone. It could, it could cause a little thinning of your hair. I've had women that take 25, 50 milligrams, which is way too high in my opinion for a woman. And they start losing their hair. And they could, they could start getting thinning of the hair, even in a little bit in the cream. If they tell me that, I'll take it out of the cream. Because I usually put five milligrams in the 
the creams along with the bioidentical forms of um, estrogens, uh, progesterone, and testosterone. So, I mean, it's a, it's, you know, it declines with your age. I mean, gosh, a young person, I think you really hit your max between 18 and 30. Um, and those levels can be 300 and it just declines as you get older. So in postmenopausal females, your level could be under a hundred. And I certainly, if I was checking levels and I do sometimes, um, and when you check a level, you have to check a DHEA slash S that's the only, when it bonds to that sulfite uh, molecule, that's the only way to measure it because of lipids and solubility and that thing. But, um, but I like to see, you know, I like to see around 200. If you start getting higher than that, you certainly could start having some side effects from it, like hirsutism, hair growth, too much hair on your face, not enough on top of your head, um, and acne and oily skin and some things like that. But uh, DHEA is, I almost call it a feel-good hormone. It's definitely a precursor hormone. So maybe in the 200s, you know, to 250. Um, some people, people push it a little bit higher than that. I don't. So, you know, if you're interested in that, certainly check some levels and, and see where you're at. But that, that's a really good question, too, because it is a, a precursor hormone to your other hormones. Mm. And um, the amazing thing about it, you can get it over the counter. I, don't, I really think it should be more regulated, but um, you can take it orally safely. So um, great question. Great um, question. Okay. Check your level. And the, the second one is a, it's a DHT level. And uh, I, I misspelled the, it's level. Um, what would you like to see the DHT level be for a postmenopausal female? Oh, okay. That's a DHT is called dihydrotestosterone. Um, so that's totally different than uh, DHEA. Um, dihydrotestosterone is a particular potent form of testosterone that you can convert testosterone into um, that can cause a couple things. Uh, one is it can cause hair loss and it can also cause your prostate to get enlarged if you're a male. So if you're converting some of the testosterone you're taking or uh, some that you may be naturally producing, then um, you know it can certainly cause those side effects. Um, I'd have to be looking at the Quest lab for the normal DHT levels, but I'm thinking you probably want to keep it um, maybe in the 10 to 20 range. I think it's nanograms per deciliter. I would have to look at the normals again, but, and, and go by symptoms as well. If you're getting hair loss, uh, whenever I start anybody on, a, on uh, hormones, especially testosterone, if they're getting symptoms of uh, hair loss, uh, I will check a DHT level or prostatic enlargement. Um, I will check a DHT level, but um, and you can put people on DHT blockers. Sometimes you see higher level in PCOS, like you would even a DHEA level can be higher in PCOS. So, you know, this hormone stuff gets kind of complex, um, but certainly if you want to fine tune things, uh, you need to be looking at a lot of these hormone levels and see where you're at. Uh, because hormones control everything. And whether you're a, a teenager with a, too much of that or whether you're 
on hormone replacement or an older person and you've converted all your DH testosterone to DHT, then you may have baldness and you may have a huge prostate. Uh, there's some natural, you know, DHT blockers that can help you, um, as well as prescriptions. You know, we think of the natural ones being things like uh, pumpkin seed, saw palmetto, stinging nettle, zinc, um, and some of the prescription ones being like finasteride, dutasteride, um, spironolactone. Uh, so there's a lot of ways to treat it. So if you're having some of that, um, you know, certainly check the levels and see where you're at. But it uh, depends on the lab. I think in the Quest lab, I like to see it around. Well, there you go. Female less than 20, men 12 to 65. That's about right. 8 to 10, I like to see in females uh, and men. If, if you see ever see, if you go walk into a, a bodybuilder gym, you'll notice that about 80% of the men in there are bald. Uh, that are heavy weightlifters. That's because they're they're taking too much testosterone and they're converting too much of it to DHT. In the other case, they could convert a lot of it to estradiol, and they could have gynecomastia and other bad side effects. Like, and both of them can give you prostate enlargement. So um, that's a good question. That's a good question. This this hormone stuff is is you have to know what you're doing with it. Um, uh, it I hope that helped you it really does kind of go back to like, it's a balance. <laughs> There's like a balance of, of yeah. all the different types of hormones. Um, so really thankful for those two questions. Um, uh, hopefully that's, hopefully that helps a, a lot of people uh, on this show tonight. And that's going to do it for the questions that came in throughout the week. Thank you guys for, uh, for emailing those to us. And uh, I think one came on Facebook. So thank you guys for doing that. Uh, we're going to get to live questions here. So uh, if you have a question for Dr. Rogers, um, go ahead and put it in the comments. We're going to get to every single one tonight. I, I can tell Doc has a lot of energy. So it's going to be, a, you, a, a, you know, we're going to get to everything. So uh, if you have a question for Doc, go ahead and put that um, in the comments. And I'm going to uh, make sure I, I get to it. If I miss it, we'll have people uh, on our team uh, grab it for us. Um, okay, I'm going to start with, I think Lisa had a question to begin with. Uh, we'll start with Lisa here. Uh, between gabapentin and Lyrica, which gives the best result for neuropathy pain and causes the least amount of swelling slash fluid? Um. Probably Lyrica. Lyrica is just kind of a, it's in the same class, but Lyrica is kind of what I would say a new and improved Gabby Penton, Neurontum. Um, so, and Lyrica comes in more of a, I think it's more, the doses are a little bit easier and it lasts a little bit longer. A lot of times with the Gabby Penton, you have to split it up and divide the doses, but in Lyrica, it's more of a, extended release form it's it was really expensive until i think it went generic so i think you can get it at a reasonable rate now but um uh probably lyrica may be a little cleaner drug they can both cause you to be tired i see that more with gabby penton you know these these medicines are for neuropathies but they, they're they they treat a lot of different conditions with them so i would sell i would say lyrica in my opinion, is is more expensive, but maybe a little cleaner and uh, cause a little less fluid retention and weight gain. 
um, if you can get it. All right, Lisa, thank you so much for that question. Let's get to Mama B's place on YouTube. Uh, regarding B12, how do I know what form it is? Methylcobalamin or cyanocobalamin? This is something we... Uh, we love talking about this one, um, so I'll let you take it away regarding... Yeah, methylcobalamin or cyanocobalamin. Oh, um, well, um, yeah, you look on the label and see what you're getting. If you're in, coming to my office, you're getting methylcobalamin. It's just a pure form of vitamin B12. Um, you know, there's so many people that don't methylate well, including me. I have that double mutation of the 677TT uh, MTHFR gene. And probably 20, 25% of us do. And probably 35, 40% have one mutation on that allele. But uh, definitely try to get methylcobalamin. You have to ask it. And if, if you go to most doctor's office for a B12 shot, you're going to get cyanocobalamin. And if you get that and you have that methylation defect, it's, it's not going to be good for you. I always say, think, when you say the word cyanocobalamin, think cyanide, which is poison. I'm not saying cyanocobalamin is poison, but it's certainly not as pure a form as a methylcobalamin. So look on the label or ask your doctor what form they're using. Cyanocobalamin is just dirt cheap. So that's why most people are going to use it. But we use methyl in, in our office and in our vitamins as well. All right. Great question there. Um, and the, the context for that, for example, nutritional yeast has a lot of bees, uh, for a little context around the, yeah. the question. Thank you for that. Uh, mama B, uh, Jack, I see you're here. Thank you so much for, uh, hanging out with us this evening. Um, let's see, where am I at? Uh, let's go to Dave's question here on Facebook. Can anything be done for folks with scleroderma? Have a loved one with it. What's your thoughts on this? Yeah, I mean, that's a toughie to treat. You know, they're usually seeing a rheumatologist. And it's one of those kind of tough to deal with rheumatologic diseases. Um, you know, they, they really get a lot of sclerosis. That's where that term came from. They get really tight skin. It affects all their connective tissue. It's a toughie. But, yeah, there's a lot of, of medicines uh that they use one thing I'll try that's kind of outside the box that some of the rheumatology people don't use for some reason, probably don't know much about it is uh, low dose naltrexone. You know, we use that for most all autoimmune diseases and a lot of cases it, it really seems to help them. Somebody has sclero, they derma, they really need to see a rheumatologist um, and maybe even a dermatologist to, to look at that. But um it's a, it's a toughie, but think, you know, if you're not getting anywhere, think outside the box with something like uh, LDN, low-dose naltrexone as well. Uh, thank you for that question. Dave, I'm going to get to, let's see here, Roel's question. How long after COVID should I wait to start to work out, lift weights, uh, et cetera? I know this is a, this is a very common question, uh, so thank you, Roel, for putting this in here. Uh, what are you I think kinda... I remember Royal saying he that he did get COVID. Mm -hmm. um, what? Uh, yeah, I mean, I would I would uh, make sure your when your energy levels come back, start to work out. I'd say within a week. I tell everybody that has COVID to get outside and walk, get sun, 
you didn't get much sun today probably, but um, be active, get out in the sun. The sun is your best source of vitamin D, of course, uh, and breathing fresh air. But, you know, I would, I would um, go easy on the workouts until your energy levels come back. Certainly drink a lot of water. Uh, make sure you're, you're double doing your vitamins like C and D. Make sure you're on zinc. Um, and I'd, st I'd probably start out with a little mild cardio before I would do heavy weights for sure. I mean, that just zaps you. Uh, maybe, maybe a little light cardio, a little bit on the bike, walking, and maybe then work into some stretch bands. Uh, there's a lot of bands. I use a ton of bands every day to try to keep flexible and maintain some strength uh, before I lift heavier weights. I don't lift a lot of heavy weights anyway now, anymore, but... Um, I hope that helps you definitely within the week. Um, gosh, some people just, um, have a pretty good long recovery from COVID. Usually when they get more, when they get it the first time than when they have a second episode, the first time is the roughest. Um, but do all the other things that you need to do and work yourself into it. Let, let your energy levels kind of be a guide for you. Um, uh, well, hope that helps. And I see your other question. I'll, I'll get to that in a minute. I, I'll, I'll probably message you on on that one. And I think I think we're all caught up. So if you guys have a question, I know we've got uh, uh, quite a few people here. Guys, thank you so much for hanging out with us on the Performance Medicine Show. If you've got a question for Dr. Rogers, please put it in the comments. Uh, for, for a second, I know you guys are wanting to uh, look at these one more time. Um, Black Friday sales happening November 21st through November 25th, all of next week at all of our locations. Uh, we have locations in Kingsport, Johnson City, Bristol, Knoxville, and Fountain City. Uh, so take a look at these. Um, we're going to be posting these everywhere, uh, these flyers. Uh, so uh, if you're a patient, not a patient, there's plenty of things that you can take advantage of. Uh, again, it's our biggest uh, sale of the year. Uh, and we're doing it all week long, so uh, so be sure to take advantage of that. Uh, and I see that uh, Ray has a question. Thank you so much, Ray. Um, let's put him in here. My twenty-four my twenty-four year old son has had eczema on his hands for years. Are there any vitamins or supplements he can take rather than steroid cream? Great question. Yeah, you know, there. Um, always make sure that. Um, with eczema, which is an autoimmune type phenomena, that they're on their vitamins, like especially D, C, and zinc, those um, immune vitamins that I call them. Um, you might even want to add some NAC and acetylcysteine in there. I think that's a great one. Um, kind of bumps up your glutathione levels and your immune system. Um, but really, you know, they're, they're coming up with some different creams that are prescription, but they're not steroids. Um, and certainly I'd even consider using uh, LDN, low-dose naltrexone, because that's an autoimmune phenomena. Um, and trying to find, you know, the root cause of the problem, a lot, a lot of times with this, it's, it's the gut. So I always look at the gut. Certainly you need a good probiotic, maybe digest shield, which is our favorite. Uh, just unbelievable results on 
digest shield for all kinds of stuff. Um, I just had a guy today who had his uh, colostomy reversed, and uh, he said the only thing that got him by was digest shield. Love it. Um, he was taking six of them a day, and that he said that got him by. So I, I would look at the gut function. I'd you know use your immune vitamins. Um, I've got one that I sell called the Dr. Rogers Immune Complex. It has has all the good stuff in it. Um, and you also, of course, take your multi that has D, C, and zinc. Um, but uh, look at the gut. Look for the cause of the problem. Consider low-dose naltrexone. Um, some people even will put... Uh, aquaphor on it um eczema is really common mm -hmm. uh you know andy yep. our, our, my son ben's brother has eczema a lot of stuff can set it off i think certain foods can set it off um so you may want to pursue a workout out and just instead of treating it the rest of your life maybe find out you know what the exacerbating symptoms are i think stress can cause exacerbations of eczema and psoriasis um, but, uh, very common. We see a lot more of this. Uh, what's the, it, what's the difference between psoriasis and eczema? They're both kind of in the same family. I think of psoriasis as being a little bit, a lot more severe form of eczema. It's inflammation of the skin. Eczema usually occurs on the inner folds of joints, like inside the elbow psoriasis is on the outer part, mm. the extensor parts. And it's usually more plaquey. It, it has these silver looking plaques that look like a huge patch of callous, dry skin. Eczema is more subtle. It gets uh, on the inner folds of uh, joints and certainly can get on the scalp. Uh, it can get on the face. Uh, it can get on the hands as well. They call it dishydrotic eczema. Um, so, yeah, that's a good question. But, but they're along this, they're kind of the same family, but they, they just look a lot different. You can tell which one's which immediately when you look at it. Uh, Ray, thank you so much for this question. I'm seeing questions coming in uh, on both Facebook and YouTube. Thank you guys so much. Uh, so if you have a question for Dr. Rogers, put it in the comments. We're going to get to every single one today. Um, I'm pumped to have this time with you, man. This is uh, this is awesome. And I, you're pumped today. You're pumped tonight. You, you know what reason. I think, you know what I think it is. Um, is one it energy is, drink or something. You've been <laughs> drinking the energy drink with B6 in it. No, no. One was Yellowstone came back Sunday night and I'm, I watched it. I'm, I watched it. I'm on a, a little bit of a, of a high from that. And you're on a binge. You're going to binge on it. Well, no, it, it comes out every Sunday. So I, I can't really, Oh, that's right. You can't look ahead. No, no. So, I can't uh, wait to see what Beth Dutton does next. She's my favorite character on there. Uh, Rip, Rip and Beth. We've got John. Gosh, we got the whole crew. Mm -hmm. uh, we also got Mama B. And, and Mama B has a yeah. question about Avison. And uh, when I think of Avison, I think of, I think of my mom because <laughs> she does it so much. Um, so Grandma Mary got one too. Um, twice a day yep. in general you know, 20 to 30 minutes in the morning, 20 to 30 at night. I think the Avacyn really helps. You know, of course we have one. Uh, I like it. It really seems to help inflammation. Uh, 
So, so twice a day, 30 minutes. Yep. That's what I would do ideally. Um, and I, and I think this is right. You know, you and Katie are coming down to the fountain city office, um, Thursday, and I, I'm excited about that. You're seeing patients for the, is it not the, not technically not the first time in fountain city, but, uh, the first official time after the grand opening. Yeah. So yeah, we, I saw them on the grand opening, but yeah, we're looking forward to being in Knoxville on Thursday. So, uh, so I think that's right, Katie. Uh, I'm excited about that. Y'all are coming in in a couple days. Uh, have a great day in the Fountain City office. Um, let's see here. And speaking of Knoxville, um, this might be a Katie question, but I, I want your thoughts uh, as well, Doc, on this. Um, any thoughts about being able to do PRP in Knoxville? Uh, Chuck is ask, asking. Uh, Chuck's, uh, Chuck's one of my yeah, Knoxville eventually, brothers. Eventually we will. Yep. Uh, yeah, eventually. We just um, The problem with PRP, it's not a problem, but it's it's kind of a good – if you write, buy the right equipment, you know, you have to do quite a few of them. So I'm sure we'll be doing that because it's part of regenerative medicine. I love PRP injections. I did a couple today in Kingsport. Of course, we do them in Bristol as well. Uh, Jill does a phenomenal job with joints and things. Uh, but yeah, PRP is great. My knees are great. I was lunchtime today. It was too rainy, so Ernie and I couldn't go for a walk. But so I, I started kind of putting my knees through the paces, in other words, and seeing how flexible I was on my knees. And I can really, you know sit with my heels behind my butt and go way back. You know, I could barely get in that position two months ago before I did PRP. And again, my joints aren't terrible by any stretch. It's not bone on bone. But um, I was really amazed at the flexibility that I had developed through uh, the help of those PRP injections in my knees. Um, so hopefully, Chuck, that we'll get that, we'll get that going. That's great. Thank you for that. Uh, thank you for that uh, that kind comment there, Chuck. We're, we're going to try to uh, make that happen. Um, okay, let's go. Uh, I, I got to get Grandma in here real quick. She's doing 30 minutes on the Avacyn. Should she increase it? That's her question. Um, probably. I do twice a day. Um, I think that's pretty typical. Uh, twice a day for 30, Grandma. Um, I, I'm pumped about that. I'm pumped that she's doing it. That's I don't know. That's She's awesome. so young and healthy. She may not need it twice a day, but she doesn't uh, hurt. A lot of people that hurt, it works really well. This is this is a great question and probably something we'll spend a lot of time on over the, the next couple of weeks. Um, as we enter the holidays, foods, parties, traveling, and overall stress of the season, it's challenging to stay healthy. What's your recommendation for staying well through the holiday season? Uh, I'm pretty sure everyone here on this uh, on this live Q and a show can, can relate to this. Um, what's your, what's your thoughts on, on kind of having a healthy, uh, well, holiday season? Don't, don't eat any holiday foods, go to any parties, do not travel and do not meet up with your family during the holidays. <laughs> watch, watch, watch Yellowstone. <laughs> yeah. Hole up and binge on Yellowstone. So you won't have to full of all that stuff, you know, all the stress. Of, but yeah, seriously, that, that's a great question. And it's, it's something I really hope to do a podcast on soon. But you have to really kind of be disciplined. You know, I really like to do um, a new program. Like I, when I used to do a ton of HCG, we still do some HCG weight loss things. Um, 
it's just gotten so expensive to get the HCG that not many people do it. Um, are you drinking more of that energy drink? Is that why you're so hyped up? Um, that was on camera. I hope that wasn't a beer. Was that a beer? No, no. It's, uh, this is actually my new favorite um, little, uh, what do you call it? What do you, what do you call it when vices um, is pineapple is sparkling it? water. Oh, that does look pretty good. Um, it's very... Very, very tasty, but I didn't uh, think you're drinking a beer on on the air. I would not. I would not do that on the air. Come on, I get. I, I, mean, you I can't I do can, that. We'd be kicked off for that. You know that. Well, and the other thing is, I can barely pronounce uh, all these words. We're we're with uh, a lot of smart people here. You're a smart dude. You know the questions are smart questions, and and I have to like read them, and um, so I, I got to stick to the sparkling water or. As I have before, um, I've, I've gone coffee on the show. Oh, really? Wow. Which I, which I, I haven't done drink, tonight. I can't drink coffee this time of night. Uh, <laughs> but that's a great comment. Um, you just have to be aware of what you're eating and why. You, you're gonna over. You're gonna eat a little bit more. Forgive yourself. I mean, this is life. Enjoy the holidays. We're meant to get together and and all that. And um, but just to eat less. You know, um, eat a little less of everything. And like I said before, I love to start somebody on a new program around Thanksgiving through New Year's because the average American gains eight pounds between Thanksgiving and New Year's Day. Mm, I believe eight, it. That's the average American. And that's a lot of weight. So if you can get on a new program during that time and kind of force yourself to stay to it, you won't have to make a New Year's resolution to lose weight. Um, so think about what you're eating, exercise more, get a good night's sleep. Um, and you know, if you travel, bring some of your own food so you don't, um, you know, eat a bunch of carbs, you know, um, uh, I rag on carbs all the time because I think they're more responsible for weight gain than anything is carbohydrates. But, um, that's a great thought. We are about to get into it. Um, so eat more turkey, less dressing, less of the yeast rolls. Like my mom used to make the best yeast rolls. Eat more butter, less bread. Um, but great question. And uh, you may want to talk. I may have, I may have uh, Lucas Smith, our nutritionist, talk about that. You need to get on, get him and do a little snippet on that, Ben, about eating around the holidays. Yeah. Um, I think we'll get Lucas to do that. We'll get him to do one tomorrow since he's in our JC office tomorrow. It's a, um, it's, it's a really important question. And, and the other thing I'll say is, you know, I'm, I'm going to probably, for a lot of these questions, point people back to uh, our episode with, with Jamie here. But I, I think with a lot of, like, the family stuff, going into the intuitive mind and, 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 and kind of seeing how you can get creative in, in terms of, uh, you know, loving your, your family and, in, in, in stressful situations. Um, so I'd watch that. I, I'd, I'd sit around and, and watch that video with, with the family. And hey, I just got a note here too, that, uh, Lucas is doing a group class on how to make healthy holiday snacks. Well, look at that. So we'll tomorrow look at our, uh, our webpage and all, and we'll, we'll get Lucas stuff out there. Uh, we will, um, we will talk, uh, more about, uh, that here. I am sure. 
Um, thank you, Mark, for that question. That was uh, it's a super very timely. Mark's very always timely. got good timely stuff. Very timely. Talk about smart dudes. Now, Mark is a smart dude, way smarter than me. I, he gets into a deep dive. He tested me last week, and I, I have that clip of uh, of the question he asked last week, and I don't think I messed it up. I think I pronounced every word correctly. And I uh, think he he must have been like Einstein in a different life or something. He's come back. I love it. I love it. Mark, we love you, man. Um, let's get D. It's also fun. He likes a good joke. So, (laughs) all right. D Lynn, uh, D Lynn is asking, I've been taking 25 milligrams of DHEA and a hundred milligrams of milligram, hundred milligrams of B6 daily. Uh, should I stop? No, I take the same doses, Okay. you know, and I feel good. So if you're feeling great, no, but if you, all of a sudden you're having tremors, dry skin and, uh, maybe some ataxia, you know, then look into it or peripheral neuropathy, especially the glove stocking type, which I doubt you're having, then no, I think you're fine. Um, so no. Um, thank you for that D Lynn. Let's get to Vicki's question on Facebook. How do you test for malabsorption issues? 23 year old female has been on supplements for a couple of years and has recently started iron infusions because of severe chronic anemia. Could malabsorption be the cause? Really good question. Yeah, certainly could be. Um, first I'd get a good history on uh, digestive issues. Um, uh, it'd be nice to know what kind of supplements she's been on for years. Uh, but usually it's, it's a gut issue. I mean, there's some weird things. There's some weird different causes of anemia, iron deficiency anemia, um, that are related more to the bone marrow production of it than, uh, any loss of blood or malabsorption. But I'd certainly talk about the gut now. And if you're having gut issues, I'd certainly do a GI map stool test on you. Um, and then, you know, I might even try some binders. You know, if you saw my podcast on binders, um, there's a thing called BAM, bile acid malabsorption. It's not too uncommon. Um, it can stem from gallbladder problems or having no gallbladder. Um, certainly when you think about uh, certain forms of uh macrocytic anemia like b12 issues uh, you can have a lack of what's called intrinsic factor in the stomach but um but yeah it's worth a, a deep dive looking at gut function and finding out kind of why now there's a bunch of tests you can run as far as anemia profiles that you if you're getting iron infusion you've probably already seen a hematologist but yeah malabsorption could be the cause uh, it really could if you have a lot, if you have a lot of, uh, you know, fatty stools and all, and, you know, your bowel movements are abnormal. Um, you, you have low vitamin D um, and those things, they certainly could be a malabsorption issue. And sometimes binders will help uh, bind those toxins up that the bile is supposed to do and move them out. But, you know, bile gets recirculated, called interhepatic uh, circulation. Sometimes that's kind of messed up for different reasons. Um, you know, liver uh, issues from fatty liver, too much alcohol or uh, 
you know, may have a gluten intolerance or, you know, a lactose intolerance. So I'd certainly start at the gut and look at that. And, uh, that's where your malabsorption occurs. Um, but great question. We're getting some good questions tonight, man. Uh, well, you said this was going to be one of the best shows uh, that we've ever done. So I, I, I think predicted it. I think we're yeah. living we're living up to it. So uh, kind of like Ed Sullivan, a really big show. Isn't that what he said? <laughs> guys, keep the keep the questions going. You guys make this show amazing. So thank you guys uh, so much um, for these all people that ask me these questions. These are smart people on very, this podcast. Very. You know, I will tell you the audience tonight. You're no normal audience. You're really very. Um, informed audience and obviously you wouldn't be listening to this on a Tuesday night um, you'd be watching Jeopardy or something else you know if you, if you weren't you want to learn so you know I certainly want to learn more too and uh, I learn a lot from my patients um, because they come with different things that just makes you really curious as to why that's happening um, you know so anyway. I love that you say that often though you say you know, even like with this show, you learn, I know, I shoot, I learn on, on, uh, every single question, but I think it's important to, um, to always be learning and seeing what, what, what's working, what's not. And, you know, and I'll tell you what that patient told me last week. I may have already said this last week, but one of my patients went to her family doctor who's been practicing about as long as I have. And, uh, just asked him how do you learn all this new stuff how do you keep up with all the stuff you have to keep up with as a primary care doctor you know how can you possibly stay up to date on it and learn new things and um his answer was a quick the drug reps <laughs> you, i think you told me that but i don't, I don't think it was on the show um i, I thought that was so interesting now I mean, he was just being honest yeah, but that's probably where most doctors learn their stuff from either that or the practicing from what they learned 20, 30 years ago, you know, because they're so rushed and don't keep up with stuff. But even the stuff that you can keep up with, it's out of date, to be honest with you, because um, to get any new drug on the on the market, it's been researched for 10 years. So. It's usually going to be out of date for number one. Number two, they're talking about selling drugs. That's their purpose. That's a salesman. They're selling drugs. So they're not looking for the cause of any of this stuff. Right. And that's what we hopefully sets us apart. We really want to find out why, not just, oh, this is that, let's label it this and let's give you a drug for it. You know, that's what's one thing that's wrong with our, um, our medical system today, I think. It's super, super fascinating, and you've, and you've actually mentioned that uh, in relation to hormones, um, because you know I think it was, somebody asked you, you know, why don't more doctors, you know, know more about hormones, and and there's real, there's no drug rep, you know, educating them on it. Uh, no drug mm -hmm. reps are visiting the uh, the doctor's offices talking about hormones. So uh, maybe kind of to bring it full circle. That's really interesting. Yeah. Um, There's no money in it for, for pharmaceuticals. They've been bioidentical hormones are off patent for 50 years. So there's no money to be made. So they're not going to push it. Um, you know, it's just part of the business world, I guess. Um, I want to get to, to this cause I, you know, one thing Bianca we've done, I, I do think there is, there's an outside the box episode, 
uh, on the Abison, and uh, how would you describe it? It's oh, a, there's no R in there. It's Avison, no R. Uh, but it's a little machine that you put your hand in, and it really um, heats your blood up, and it really tamps down inflammation. If you want to really go, go to one of our podcasts on that, because we've got the guy, I think, who yep. invented the machine on there. And it's pretty good explanation about how it works. And so you just put your hand in this thing a couple times a day and it helps inflammation uh, through warming your blood. Um, well, so it's a really interesting, I don't understand all the dudes, you know, if it makes your blood more circulatable um but try to go look at that podcast it's really interesting um you know it's weird because we have one here and everybody that comes in the visits it may stay the night or a couple of days they try it they all end up buying one because it, it it works pretty quickly you don't you, know, you can notice the difference pretty quickly what, what i'll do bianca is i'll email you i'll email you that episode because it's been it has to be a couple of years now uh, since we've done that uh, that episode oh. uh but i'll i'll email that to you if you if i don't if i forget shoot me an email to remind me and i'll make sure you get that um okay let's go to um let's see where are we at uh grandma mary's asking if she needs to switch hands with the avison there it is Hey Bianca, here's the Abison. That's the Abison. Yeah. Do uh do they need to switch hand hands for the second for the second time they do it? I would. Yeah. I don't know the rules on it, but that's what that's what I do. Uh, so, uh, Grandma, yes to the switching hands. Um, okay, let's get to. Um, <laughs> uh, I I saw this question from Mark. <laughs> there are many health benefits of owning a pet. How has adopting Ike affected you? I, I just Man, want to, I just want to hear your Mark, answer. Mark, you you're usually in there with those questions that are so deep it's unbelievable that it gets <laughs> my brain rattled. Um, now you're coming up with some really good stuff that's making it easy for me to answer it. Um, like so how, holiday overeating, but yeah, I mean, I love owning a pet. I mean, I think people need to connect with animals and the earth. That's why so many people do grounding. You know, they stand on dirt with their bare feet. Um, gosh, I think just having Ike, you know, um, I love dogs. And we lost uh, our other dog that we'd had for 12 or 13 years. And when he died, it was just like a void. Yeah. You know, I guess because I've often said it, and, and that's the fact that um, nobody's going to love you like your mother. And nobody's going to be happier to see her than your dog. So when I come home and Ike jumps all over me, you know, I mean, it's just unconditional love, I guess. <laughs> He's laying right at my feet here listening to all this. But it's just, it's unexplainable. I think there's some kind of brain connection that we get with it. And it's just a like a, dogs are just so, um, how do you describe it? They Their love for for you is just unequivocal. There's no boundaries or no conditions on it. And it's just a great thing to have, you know, for comfort. And the, just to, I guess it activates your parasympathetic nervous system. If you want to scientifically look at it, but it's calming. And anything we can do to calm yourself is good. We live in a world that 
we overstimulate our sympathetic nervous systems. And um, it's just, we, we're too stressed out. And it's instant stress relief. That's why so many people mm. have these stress dogs, you know, companion dogs that they take on airplanes. Uh, it's just, uh, when well, you have a dog like that, you know, you know, you'll know what I'm talking about. It definitely, you know, I don't have a dog, but I can see that it, it complete, it gets you in a, in a playful mode automatically. And I think that is yeah. kind of cool. Like you automatically go from, you know, you know, focusing on a stressor to, you know, being playful and, and look at, see, Ike's just, he's, he's made all of us yeah. super chill. He, he listens, he listens to what you're saying. He comes on, he likes your voice. <laughs> uh, thank you, Mark, for that question. Uh, let's get to Steve's question here. Um, are you using PRP to help with stenosis? My wife has back and hip pain, which her doc thinks um, is originating uh, from the stenosis. Shout out to Sheridan. We love you. Um, what's your thoughts on this? Um, I actually are licking me now. He heard me talking about all the love he has to so say he's now licking me. <laughs> um, but uh, that's a great question. Yeah, I think it, it does help. Uh, with stenosis, you know, I don't inject it into backs. I, can you hear me now? I just yeah. disconnected me from the computer, but, um, yeah, I know there's certain, um, orthopedic surgeons and neurosurgeons that will use it, you know, um, at times. Um, so I, I think it definitely could, um, you know, PRP um, is almost like a, a stem cell in a way. It has, it has those growth factors in it, and it seems to help calm down inflammation. We use it for tendonitis a lot. It even grows hair. I put it in the guy's scalp today, and uh, it's really helping him grow his hair back. But, um, but yeah, certainly you're going to have to talk to one of the, somebody that does a lot of injections because when you inject – you know, the hip pain, of course, Jill does the PRP to hips uh, a lot, um, but using ultrasound guidance. But when you get into the, the spine, you know, you need somebody that has the C-arm and that can mm. look live, live x-rays. That's what the C-arm is and guided injections with that. But so potentially, yeah, potentially uh, could help. Thank you for uh, for that question, Steve. Um, and I'm putting this up just because I, I when I think of sourdough, I think of Steve. Uh, Doc, did you get a sourdough bread recipe for the holidays? Update us on your. Well, uh, no, because Steve hadn't sent it. Steve sent me the starter, but it's been sitting in my kitchen the whole time. I need to get with Steve about how to make it because I've got the starter sitting in there in a jar. Now, I keep hoping the loaf of bread will pop out, but That's I not think the way I've got to do something with it. I, I got to do something with it. You got to you got to do something with it's just a starter. Steve didn't he didn't send the machine with. It. I wonder <laughs> if I could pour it into the Avison. Is the, there, the is there like a is there a special microwave, Steve, that comes with that uh, with the starter? Yeah, I really want to get into making sourdough <laughs> bread. That's the only kind of bread I'll ever eat, but. Um, is it's, it's very digestible for me. But, so in, um, in short, Lisa, uh, we're, st we're still, we're still figuring that one out. Um, 
and you know Steve's going to help you, but you know you you can only lead the horse to the water. You can't make them drink it. So at least a YouTube video, something. I really need to get in there and start making <laughs> this stuff. I mean, the holidays are right around the corner, and I'm supposed to be the one making the sourdough bread for Thanksgiving, and I think it's going to be a a really bad Thanksgiving unless I can come up with something. I guess I'll have to go back to the Blackbird Bakery and pretend that I made it. Not as, have good sourdough. You know what? I think everybody coming to your Thanksgiving might be secretly hoping that's what you do. Is <laughs> <laughs> uh, Let's get to Vicki. Um, she's asking, what is recommended for low cortisol levels? Um, you know, what I like to do with cortisol, cortisol is the stress hormone. It's really the only hormone that goes up as you age. But usually after you've had it high for too long a period, then you kind of fatigue your adrenal glands out and it'll be low. So when I do a, a, a four-point salivary cortisol curve, I look at your cortisol levels at 8, 12, 5, and 10 you know, throughout the day to see what it's actually doing, what the pattern is. It's, it needs to be higher in the morning, low at night. Mm -hmm. It's what kind of wakes you up. It's really responsible for that dawn phenomena of little high sugar levels in the morning when the cortisol wakes you up. But so I like to look at that pattern. Now, if you have a completely flat cortisol curve and it's not ever getting up there, then the first thing I would do is try to find out why you're so stressed out. Now, some people, um, you know, life's been full of crises and that, you know, that worse than others. And, you know, they, they've kind of burned their adrenals out. That's a bad term for it. But, um, and I would try to start out treating it as early as possible. And again, nothing replaces a good diet, exercise, and sleep and trying to and have that ability to say no. And, you know, don't think you have to do everything for everybody that's why women have more of this than men that you know they see themselves as caretakers and you know take care of everybody else and then they're last and boom just when the hormones are going down so is the cortisol level so i would first try like an adrenal adaptogen um and what i mean by that is uh there's certain herbs like uh ashwagandha l-theanine rhodiola uh, ginseng. Did I say that one? Um, and they kind of, when I say adaptogen, that means it helps it if it's high or low. So I'd probably start out with that before I would try what's called a glandular, which is an adrenal extract. Um, but, and I have, I have several people that have to take Cortef, hydrocortisone to get it functioning. And so I have several people on hydrocortisone, which is a prescription cortisone, um, without the bad side effects of taking something like prednisone. Uh, so you need to evaluate how bad it is, whether it's too high, low, what time it is, try an adrenal adaptogen first, then maybe a glandular, and last of all, um, uh, Cortef, hydrocortisone treatments. That's a great- Which you have to dose higher in the morning and then lower it, so you can be dosing it three times a day. Hmm. But for some people, it really gets them out. It saves them, really. Thank you so much for that question, Vicky. Um, that that's a, it. It really is an cortisol is interesting. 
because um, mm-hmm. you don't want it too low and you don't want it too high. And nobody really, you want it low and high at certain times of the day and night, right. but right. nobody looks into that because when you look at that triad of your metabolism, you've got your insulin, uh, you've got your cortisol, and you've got your thyroid. And each of them talk to each other minute by minute. So most people just look at the thyroid. They never look at the insulin levels or the cortisol last of all. And that may be the most important factor in how your thyroid is going to work. In other words, if your cortisol levels high uh, or too low, you're not going to convert that T4 to T3, the active form of thyroid. Hmm. So you have to look at all that stuff, you know, to kind of balance somebody out. Uh, you can't just say, here's your thyroid medicine and you're going to get better. You got to look at the other stuff if you're willing to solve the problem. Great question there. Thank you so much, Vicki, for that. Uh, I want to get this from, from Molly. Um, this is talking about the carnivore diet. Um, it, the, she's talking about the picture of the lion um, or the tiger. Uh, could you eat seafood on the carnivore diet? Um, or should we ask Lucas? And I think uh, with Lucas, we've done one, we've done an episode that includes the carnivore. He's, he's going to do a, a, a more in-depth series on uh, the carnivore diet, so kind of be on the lookout for that. Uh, but real quick, what's your kind of what's your interpretation of the carnivore well, diet? Well, there's different think? forms of it. You know, it's, you call it the meat eaters diet. So some people don't eat anything but red meat on it, uh, like Dr. Saladino in his book, The Carnivore Code. But even he started eating fruits with it. Now, he does not eat any fish, pork, or poultry just red meat and he eats fruits. Um, now he does eat some tubers, like some occasional potato, but, and then there's um, other people that do eat uh, those kind of meats and with it. And so it's just different. And if you, if you don't like red meat, then um, you might want to uh, try the others and see how you do. Again, by definition, a carnivore diet's gonna be low carb. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you know, you might, of course you might want to supplement with beef liver, um, and that kind of thing. Katie likes the, and Ben like the raw beef liver, Ben Curtis, uh, they eat it raw, but, uh, I'm not to that point, but I certainly take, a uh, an extract from Dr. Saladino really helped my gut. Like if you watch my podcast on carnivore, boy, it really helped it. It's really, really interesting. Um, they don't eat sugars either. You don't eat sugar. Sugar is the number one bad boy of them all, I think. Uh, thank you so much, Molly, for for adding that in. I, the, it's such an interesting thing to talk about. We're going to talk more about the carnivore diet. Uh, let's get to Mason here. Uh, thoughts on PRP in foot slash uh, toes? What's your thoughts? I thought I thought you went by page. Uh, Mason Mayo. That has a certain ring to it. I like it. it. You say that real fast, Mason Mayo. Um, maybe it's, I, I, I maybe it's an that. identity thing. Maybe she doesn't want to be identified. So no, I. You know. Let's see here. No, I, I know, okay. <laughs> I know who it is. <laughs> I'm trying to make her laugh, but you know, if you put that on there, Mason Mayo, you don't know if it's a guy or a girl, really. It's true. Do you? It's true. Would you think guy or girl? Um, Mason Mayo, honestly, could go either way. Um, yeah, don't say it because you may, you know, you may insult him or her. 
<laughs> um, uh, we're just having fun. Thank but, you. Um, yeah, thank thoughts you on PRP and foot and toes. I think it would help. You know, I really do. Um, and you'd be surprised how, you know, you think of PRB as P is maybe painful shots, but it's really not when Jill, uh, our great PA in Bristol office, who's done ortho for 20 years as an expert in injections. I literally didn't feel it. And there's a needle that long going into my knee and I didn't feel a thing. Um, so a lot of it depends on the spinner you get, whether you take the white blood cells out of it or not. But, um, but anyway, yeah, I mean, I think it, you know, it's, it's great for joints and certainly for arthritic, uh, toes, you can shoot it in the joint there. You wouldn't have to shoot as much. So you could space it out and do cover a lot of ground with that. Um, and certainly we use it for tendonitis. So, um, you know, you could certainly use it for plantar fasciitis and things like that. Um, you know, I know, uh, that dry needling works in plantar fasciitis and, uh, it, uh, also the thing that Ernie uses for plantar fasciitis is a sound wave therapy that's, that works pretty good too, but yeah, uh, it's certainly worth a try. Especially if nothing else is working, you don't you don't want to keep shooting cortisone into these inflamed joints because you know it just makes it worse after a certain amount of it. I wouldn't want to shoot any one joint more than three at the most four times a year um, hmm. because of the the eventual destruction of your joint through cortisone. But it's definitely a great thing for good temporary relief. Um, acute injury, you know, maybe subacute injuries, I guess, but, um, but yeah, but always remember, always have a good physical therapist on standby because they're the really ones that do the healing. Agreed. Uh, Love it. Uh, thank you so much uh, for that. And it, it does seem that, uh, that is a, uh, do they call them a pseudonym? Is it a pseudonym? I think it is a pseudonym. I think it's a pseudonym. Yes. I like mm -hmm. that. I like that. Thank you. Is that why you wear your hat? You're trying to hide. Ben's trying to go incognito too. <laughs> no. Uh, interestingly enough, um, my, uh, this is going to sound terrible, but my hairstylist retired and I haven't found a new one. So uh, I haven't gotten a haircut in a long time. So just not, not I wasn't feeling my looks going into this show tonight. And, and that's the reason why I'm wearing this hat. Um, <laughs> uh, what, what liver extract does Dr. Rogers take? It's that it, it comes from the nose to tail Dr. S uh, Salandino's company. Okay. Oh gosh. What's the name of that? Uh, Katie will probably flip it on here for me. Uh, I told her to order it. Um, the name of the company is, yeah, I've got it upstairs. I'll, I'll try to get a picture of it. Um, we'll put that up. I'll show you the ball in a second. But, we'll put uh, that up here. In a yeah. Second. I mean, it has some pretty good stuff and I think it has actually got some BPC 157, which is a heart and soil. Yeah. That's a good, thank you. It's not heart and soul, heart and soil. Heart and soil. Um, I like it. Yeah. But I'll, I'll show you a picture of it in a minute, but and then Dr. Salandino is a really interesting guy. If you read some of his stuff or get, get on his blogs, especially if you're not getting where you want to with your weight or your gut, 
You should try it. I mean, I know Lucas is pretty hip on it. Yep. Lucas is fine nutritionist. I mean, he's amazing. I'll send him a patient tomorrow. He's going to meet with him tomorrow to put him on a carnivore diet. So interesting. Um, I, 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 yeah. I really Isn't it am. crazy? I'm no vegetables? To, I'm looking forward to like diving a little bit more into that. Uh, it's really, really interesting. There it is. Here it is. Heart and That's soil. That's the one I take. Gut and digestion. Something different. All right. Uh, guys, we're going to be back next week. We're trying to get uh, Ike up for everybody. Um, it's not working. Don't go. There he is. There's Dr. Ike. Thanks, guys, for listening to this episode of the podcast. Uh, please share the podcast with your friends. And if you haven't subscribed yet, please subscribe. Uh, we will see you guys next time.